I just want to talk about some things that are on my heart and share some verses of scripture, something that I have a, a passion for. And um, so when the uh, when the reformers uh, came, you know, uh, just yoked, yanked the church out of the grip of Catholicism and out of the grip of the kings of, and queens of England and out of the grip of the of the uh, Germanic, you know, tribal leaders in Germany and 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 tried to wrest the church from them and and rebuild the true church of Jesus Christ and the church of 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 the living God. Um, you know, that was a generations long work. And, um, you know, I, I believe it culminated in the founding of this nation. You know, that was that was those those men uh, at the same time that they began to do that. The Lord blessed us mankind with the printing press and the Bible went back then for what was back then viral and people were trying to learn to read and people were learning to read it. And so um, so instead of being under the grip of Romanism and not being able to understand the Bible and being lied to all the day long about what God says and doesn't say, um, you know, they were able to to read it for themselves and they were able to see what God says to them and what he commands us to do. And, um, you know, there's several things. Those people, so the, so the law of Moses was, was, we, we say in this church, a separate dispensation unto the Jews. Um, although it was to be a light of righteousness unto the Gentile and unto the heathen as well, but it was a separate dispensation for the Jews. Um, the covenant that God made with Noah after the fall was with Noah and his three sons and every living thing. And that covenant has not ended. That covenant was always to the heathen. And was always to the Gentile. And, and that is the covenant that the founders of this nation operated under. And so I'm not going to preach on that tonight. But they took that covenant seriously. And that's where terms like the God of nature and, and, or nature's law and the God of nature and terms like that came from. The natural law was put down. You know, the, uh, the law of, the law of death and predation among the animals and and the laws of um, how we are to serve and operate in a fallen world were were um, reestablished, but also in a lot of ways deepened because you know predation and meat eating entered into the world and things like that. And so, if you read if you read that um, the Noahic covenant in verse you know chapter nine of Genesis and read down through there, and you'll get some some sense if you read it carefully and study it through there, you'll get some sense of what the of what the of what then was a classically liberal education what the founders of this country thought. Not communists, that's what liberal is now, but it was a classical liberal education. I mean, they, they were deep thinkers and they operated under that covenant and they, they spent generations trying to free men from oppression. Um, and they knew the Lord was coming back and they did generations of work anyway and set about to do it anyway. Um, and so I admire that. You know, that the Lord, you know, could have came back anytime he wanted back then, you know, but he tarried. And as long as he tarries, I think we have work to do now. And so um, the commands, some of the, the commands of the New Testament that that I sort of serve under um, are are the so-called Great Commission. And so the Great Commission, to my mind, has two basic parts. One is to the edifying of believers. The church is for believers. Okay, the church is for believers. Um, and, and the church is to edify itself 
and to minister to the saints and to the believers. And that's the one part. That's the second part of the Great Commission, of course, after being saved, believing and being baptized. Um, and the, uh, the second part of the or the first part of the Great Commission is to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come unto the marriage and preach the gospel to every creature and to tell them what glorious things Jesus Christ has done for them so that they too would believe. And, um, you know, these, these, this was the work of the Reformation that they did. You know, so, um, I, you know, Jesus is coming back when he's coming back. And, um, you know, heaven forbid someone use, you know, eschatology as an excuse to do nothing. Heaven forbid anybody do that. So, um, we have work to do and, uh, and I'm happy to do it. And so what I plan on doing tonight, Lord willing, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but Lord willing, I plan on giving a little instruction, um, in the first part of the Great Commission, that sharing the gospel is something I love doing. It's something I enjoy. Um, I love meeting and talking to strangers and I like to tell them what it is that Jesus has done for them. And the great news is, you know, in a, in a 15, 20 minute talk, you know, they can be saved and they don't find out what I, who, who, what I really am, you know, and so they don't run away and they get saved before they find out who's talking to them, right? So I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Pray for me. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, or as the Scottish say, 1 Corinthians. I like to say that just to get on people's nerves. Sorry about that. 1 Corinthians 15. We'll read a couple verses. And so y'all should know, I mean, what, what, what this is. Um, so I'm not going to give, uh, like background to the book of Corinthians and everything. They were a carnal church, I reckon. So, um, but we're going to, uh, read a few verses in chapter 15. If you'd stand and I'll read a couple of verses and then we'll sit back down here at Walridge. We stand and we read the scriptures. Okay. All right, guys. So, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 15 and verse one, please. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, and it goes on to say that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Holy, righteous Father God, thank you, God, for this time. Lord, please uh, use me as you would. I have no idea really what I'm doing, but just use me and uh, to serve you, God. And you you know my heart is to to proclaim your kingdom and of and the and the kingdom of your Christ and the and the coming new heaven and uh, salvation and the saints before the very throne of Holy God, robed, robed in white. And, and covered by the blood of the Lamb, purified by the blood of the Lamb, and forgiven of our sins, Lord God. And I thank You for the work of Your Son on the cross, and I thank You for the ongoing work that You've, that you've placed each one of us in, who ministers in all diligence and, and care and love of You and of each other, Lord God. And uh, I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 3 um, says, the Apostle Paul says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So you know that uh, Paul was saved. He saw the Lord on the road, um, and and he was converted in that moment, I reckon. Um, 
and certainly came under the under the fear of the Lord and convicted of the Lord. Why are you persecuting me? Right? Paraphrasing. So stop persecuting me. I am Jesus. I am the one. I'm the one. And uh, so he was sent to a man to open his blinded eyes. And that, I believe, is when he heard the first initial story of that Jesus is indeed the one who was crucified, buried, and resurrected. Now, Paul probably already knew that, but that's when he, Paul was a Pharisee. So, um, I, I think that Paul spent at least a year, maybe more, just tearing apart what was the first five books of the Bible back then and looking at everything that pointed to Christ. And his writings show that. I mean, he, he just takes the Old Testament and says, it's him. See? It's him. See? It's him. See? It's him. See? I mean, it's all over the place. And I believe that's what he spent a significant amount of time doing so that, so that the Lord could use him in service and church planning and soul winning. And, and this is the, this is the work of the Lord. The Great Commission, uh, so I told you the Great Commission basically has two parts. The first part is to go out in the highways and hedges and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, and I talk to, I talk to people who say they're saved all the time, and I even talk to people who say they too like to share the gospel, and I ask them what is the gospel, and they don't even know. I mean, they can't tell me what the simple gospel is. You know, I mean, I believe they're saved and they're struggling with it. They say, well, I share my testimony and how we're sinners and stuff. And I'm like, that's good. That's good, you know. Um, so I think, I think that, um, so I try to be organized about sharing the gospel and have a plan, have verses marked in my Bible and things like that. It's always good to hand somebody a track, you know. Um, it's not necessarily a great way to witness. It is a great way to get somebody's attention, you know. And, um, uh, and you should always be prepared to tell anybody anywhere you go that Jesus died for their sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. That doesn't give them a lot of information like, you know, um, maybe they don't even know that they're a sinner or what sin really is. And maybe they don't know, you know, what the consequences fully are for that sin. You know, Jesus solved problems. Jesus solved three problems when he died on the cross. We're sinners. And we can't stop sinning, be good enough under our own righteousness. And because of that, we're hell bound. And those are the three problems that Jesus solved on the cross. And so when I share the gospel, I point those three problems out to to people who are lost so that they know fully what it is that Jesus has solved for them, how that they're a sinner and how that they can't fix it on their own. You know, all our, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You know, there's none good, no, not one, right? So, um, I'm just gonna give you a little instruction, and I don't know what's gonna happen. Turn to Romans 1, and we're, I mean, Romans 3. We're just gonna, we're gonna walk through some verses together and stuff. So, um, turn, turn to Romans 3, please. And so, um, there's basically three ways to approach lost sinners. Um, three general ways to approach them. You know, if you're acquainted with someone, you can invite them over to your house um, or maybe go to lunch with them once or twice. We're not making friends with law centers, but you can invite them over to your house, get to know them a little bit or go to lunch with them or something and then get down to business and, and, and open the Bible and show them what Jesus has done for them. Alternately, you can you can at work or with strangers, you can just talk for 10 minutes with them, you know, and look for clues as to where they are and look for entry points to start giving them scripture. And so, um, you know, this requires 
uh, one to walk in the Holy Spirit in order to do these things, to look for ways to share the gospel with, with people. And so the third way is just, it's, it's unfortunately called confrontational soul winning. Um, so we're, you know, we're not angry, we're not, we're not mean to people, and we're not giving Jesus a bad name, but we're literally walking up to strangers and, you know, asking them if they know they're going to heaven or asking them how they know they have eternal life or asking them how it is, you know, that they plan on solving the fact that they're a sinner and that they're a lost sinner and that they're hell bound because of it. So um, those are three kind of overall ways, I guess, you can approach a, a, a lost sinner. And um, there's nothing wrong with any of them, except unless, you know, you're you're making friends with the world. You know why? Why was Jesus a friend to sinners? Because he told them the absolute truth, regardless of the consequences and regardless of how the relationship ended. You know, a lot of those people he told the absolute truth with are dead in hell tonight. You know, they wouldn't receive them. They wouldn't hear it. But he told them the truth instead of being their friend, instead of being buddy-buddy with them and letting them, you know, they're going to burn. At the resurrection of the unjust, they're going to burn, Brother Charles. You know? So we have, so, you know, this is this is a responsibility that I feel is unto all believers. Um, so we're all witnesses for Jesus Christ. Some of us are bad witnesses for Jesus Christ. You know, I'm not always the best witness for Jesus Christ. Some of us are bad witnesses for Jesus Christ. Some of us are good witnesses for Jesus Christ. Some of us set about to learn the scriptures and seek how it is that we can share the gospel and become good at being a witness for Jesus Christ. And I believe that we should do this with purpose and we should do it with prayer and planning. And, um, you know, if you were, if, if we're faithful to be in the same place once a week, you know, for an hour, the Lord will begin to send people to us that we can talk to about the gospel. Or if we're faithful to pray for someone who's lost at work, the Lord will set a lunch or set a break time together with them. That's how this works, you know. So we need to be ready, always ready, instant in season to share the word of God with anybody. And specifically, the 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 reasons and consequences and um and results of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and where every man and woman stands with and without Jesus as their personal Savior. So Romans 3, verse 10. Getting your Bible open can be, it's, you know, it is a leap to get your Bible open. So there's different ways to do it. You know, um, you can you can quote a verse or two to somebody and then say, hey, can I show you what the Bible says about that? You know, get their interest. You know, let them let them immediately Come under the sound of the word of God. You invite the Holy Spirit into the conversation. And then often they'll let you open the Bible and, and show them verses. And so um, the Bible says, and we're going to look at that. It's in Romans 10. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how faith comes. So, you know, Father God saves. Father God gives souls to Jesus and Jesus saves them. The Holy Spirit convicts them. And we share, we share verses and very specifically the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, um, verse 10, 310, Romans 310, it says, as it, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And so there's a quote from the Psalms, right? So, um, 
but it says there's none righteous. And you know, it's you can explain this verse as saying nobody's right with God. We're all sinners. It says in verse 323, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So sometimes with people you need to establish, some people know they're sinners. Some people know they're sinners. Sometimes you have to establish what is sin, a simple way, as you know. And this is just kind of basic instruction. I know a lot of y'all have won a lot of souls to the Lord, but this is some basic instruction. Maybe we'll do some preaching. I don't know what we're going to do. But if you, if you, uh, if you just ask them, you know, have you ever told a lie? You know, and, and, and say, well, lying is an example of sin. You know, if I, if I lie to you, it will harm our relationship very likely. But the sin of lying is ultimately against God. And that sin is, sin is ultimately against God. Although it can, all sin can harm our relationships, ruin our life, all kinds of things, right? So that's a way to explain sin. And then you can even tell somebody, you know, when they say they're a liar, you can say, well, you know, I've told a lie too. And this way we're not self-righteous to them. You know, I told a lie, you told a lie. And even though you knew it was wrong, you went ahead and told the lie anyway. And this is sin. And so a couple, a couple other verses about sin. You know, not everybody responds to the verses you're going to try to share. So it's good to have a couple other verses scribbled down the back of your Bible or maybe commit a couple verses to memory about, about sin. Um, and so, uh, one is, um, I love James 4.17. It's sort of the sin of omission. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So even if you know you're supposed to be doing something good and you don't do it, that too is sin, right? So, um, you know, there's other ones. Ecclesiastes 7.20, for there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So you can try to be good. You can try to be just. You can try to do the right thing. But you're still a sinner. You're still going to fall short of the glory of God, right? So, um, so those are some examples of sin. And what we want to do is we want, we, we don't, so here's, here's a, here's a one way to explain it. We aren't sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And so what we want is a, is a confession from the lost sinner that not only that they sin, although that's helpful and constructive to the conversation about sin, but we want their confession that they are a sinner. And that's, you know, if they confess they're a sinner, Jesus came to say sinner. Right? So that's a really good, a good place to start, Brother Steve. So, um, there's really kind of five things surrounding the gospel. One is sin. And one is you can't work your way into heaven. The other is the consequences for your sin. I've already discussed these. And that is, uh, hell and the wrath and death and, and, and eternal damnation and burning in a lake of fire forever and ever and ever, and the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, of what and what Jesus offers through that, and offer of receiving the Lord to save your soul. And these are kind of the five things you may have heard of them before. Um, so, so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. So, go to uh, six twenty-three, Romans six twenty-three. This is a version of the Romans road, and I know some of you are very familiar with this. So, um, you know, I. You can lead souls to the Lord, you know, if you're if you're faithful and diligent and kind of know some scriptures, you can lead souls to the Lord in First Peter or from Isaiah 53, right? So I mean, it's, you know, the Romans wrote, there's no there's no formula, and there's no rites or rituals or or procedures or certain words or or verses that save a lost soul, right? It's Jesus Christ that saves lost sinners. We are just the messenger of the truth. 
Okay? So uh, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you can explain this verse however you want to kind of, you can break it into two parts and say, hey, you know, you said you're a sinner. The wages of sin is death. Wages are what you're owed. That's what God owes you for your sin. You know, but he loves you. He doesn't want you to die. And you can go on to say, you know, you can go on and, and give them a little peek at this gift of eternal life and what Jesus has done for them. And say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a thing, you know? Amen. So you can explain this verse however you want. Um, you can you can talk about judgment. I mean, there's a lot of verses about judgment. There's some in Ecclesiastes. There's some in the Psalms. There's some in the you know. Um, there's they're all over the Scripture. Basically, there's some in, in in John chapter three. Right? We're all condemned. Condemned already. You know. That's what that's what you know. People put a lot of their faith in in John three sixteen. Well, they never read eighteen and nineteen, and they don't even think they're a sinner. They just think they're saved because hey, Jesus came and saved the world. I'm good. You're good. Right? But we're condemned already. That's why Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. We're already condemned as lost sinners, right? So I like to you like to go to Revelation. So I think there's 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 power in the verses in Revelation and talking about the lake of fire. Um and there's power in opening the scripture. I mean, if you can lead someone to the Lord without um opening the Bible, you know, as long as you're quoting scripture correctly. Um, you know, and they and they'll listen. You know, maybe you should do it. And we want to be cautious not to lead people astray. But there's real power in opening the Bible, especially to someone who's unchurched and never heard. And they are they are in awe when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they hear the preached word for the first time, and they're like, "Wow!" You know, and and especially young Catholics. You know, there's there's Catholics under 30 or 35. They're fascinated by the Bible. You start reading it to them and showing them what it says, they don't get that. They've never seen that anywhere. And they're like, wait a minute, this guy knows what the Bible says. And he's telling me straight up without reading Latin and telling me to swing an incense around or something, right? So, I mean, they know their church is phony. The young ones can smell it. So, you know, I mean, it's, 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 you know, and there's some saved people, some there, we have brothers and sisters who like the religion of Catholicism. I can't figure out why, but I believe some of them might be saved. So Charlie's got his doubts, you know, I got some doubts too, but, um, so Revelation 20, um, verses 14 and 15, it says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So I like to point out, you can point out this second death. And so, you know, there might even be people in the room who don't really understand what that's about. So, you can just tell people, you know, look, you're going to die. When I tell people they're going to die, you know, old, people who are a little older and senior, they know they're going to die. They're aware of their impending appointment, and you don't be crass or aggressive with them. But people who are young, you can just let that hang there. Just let them get uncomfortable and nervous and squirm or smile, especially men. Young men have no, ladies, young men have no concept of death. God made them that way so that they can protect the tribe, raise a family, and do the hard work of all these things. God made them that way. They have no concept to death. They're never going to die in their mind. So you can press in about their impending appointment with God. Um, Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So you're going to die. And then you're going to come before the throne of holy God in judgment. And he's going to judge you for your sin. 
And when you're found guilty and you are already admitted that you're a sinner, then you will be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And so that's, that's the, that's death. And that's the appointment with judgment. And that's what the second death is about in the book of Revelation. So, um, from there, that's, that's judgment. That's three. If you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna follow this, it's a simple outline. You don't have to follow it. It's just a simple outline. The reason of the outline and the five things we want to share is only so we stay on track. So we don't get distracted. They start asking questions and we're talking about football or something. We don't want that, right? So, and while we're here, we're going to talk about questions real quick. So, um, you know, the woman at the well asked Jesus a great question. He said, you know, I have this living water. And she said, where's this living water? It's both the question, paraphrasing the conversation, the question is both in context and constructive to the conversation. So she's in the conversation. This is important. She's in the middle of being saved. She wants to know how to get the living water, right? So this is a really good sign. So um, if someone asks a question that's constructive to the conversation and in the context of what you're talking about, that's a really great, that's a really great sign. You know, just because someone doesn't ask questions, I mean, some people get saved in short order, you know, and maybe they're not really saved. I don't know. But if they confess everything and, and, you know, pray to be saved, the Lord is, you know, pray, uh, you know, trust in the power of God who's, who's redeems sinners to Christ Jesus, right? Through Christ Jesus. So, um, so we'll go to Romans, uh, chapter five. But, um, so as to questions that are out of context, um, like, you know, brother, our, our pastor always uses this silly question. Um, you know, does Adam have a belly button? And it's a silly question. But I mean, but I mean, that's not constructive of the conversation. It's out of context. But I mean, if they ask a question about like the flood and you're in the middle of talking about, um, you know, sin, you can, you can tell them that that's why the flood was, you know, and that's an opportunity. But so it's a question is like really out of left field, like, so why, how did Moses part the Red Sea? Well, Moses didn't part the Red Sea. God did. So, but you don't want to get off track talking about the miracles that God did it with the Israeli people, although it's a blessing to learn and to share with other people that could get, that could get the conversation off track. So you just tell them, we'll come back to that and I'll answer it after we're done talking. I want to answer that question. It's a great question, right? So if it's out of context, not constructive, then just tell me you'll answer later. If they ask a question and don't know, same thing. Just tell me you'll answer later. And after you're done talking, if you have the blessed opportunity to lead them to the Lord, then tell them you don't know the answer, but you'd be happy when they come to church. Ding, ding. You can get the answer for them, right? So, um, Romans 5. Um, so you can, we, we were in, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, 15 and, and 3. That's probably the best and simplest, most straightforward example of the gospel. The Romans road people often, uh, will share. Romans 5 and verses 8 and 9 or verses 8 and 9 and 10 or verses 8 and 9 and 10 and 11. So um, I'm going to read a couple of these verses. So even though you're a sinner and and even though you can't stop sinning on your own. So we can so you can talk about works, especially if they have a works background. You're going to want to talk about works. Um, so we'll talk about a little bit more of that in a minute. But verse eight says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So, um, this talks, this, this mentions his death, mentions that we're, 
that were, um, I mean, the first thing it says is that God loves us and he commended our love toward us, even though we're sinners. You know, God loves you. He knows your name. He doesn't want you to die and go to hell. He wants you to be reconciled and brought into the family of God by the mercy and love of God. You know, uh, Titus 3 says God is kind. God is kind. I mean, that blows my mind that God is kind, you know, to a guy like me. He's kind, you know, and that blows my mind. I like to tell people that God, God loves them and he's kind and he doesn't want them to die and go to hell. He wants them to be friends with God. What a thing to be God's friend, you know, and to walk in the will of the Holy Spirit, you know. And so these, these are the, some of the things that, that God offers if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, crucified tortured to death for you, taking the wrath of God that you deserve. You know, not only did Jesus die for your sins, not only did he take your sins, but he became your very sin. They, they, his sins were imputed unto him and his righteousness unto you. Brother Jim loves to talk about the exchange right there. Hey, you know, I'll take the righteousness of God. He can have my sins any day of the week, right? I mean, what a glorious thing, you know? So, um, so you can share the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and I believe firmly with all my heart that souls are saved by grace through faith in death in the in in the in the in the faith of the death, burial, and resurrection as the only necessary atonement for salvation. And and I and I believe that firmly, and that's my own testimony. You know, so there's nothing I did. You know, it certainly wasn't anything I did. So you can explain these verses how you want. There's other examples um, uh, in Scripture where it either talks about his resurrection or his death. Um, one, one core 15, you know, is the is the simplest thing. Uh, um, Revelation 1, uh, 18. Sometimes it can be distracting to talk about Revelation 1, 18. But it's, this is Jesus. It's Jesus talking to John when John first starts seeing in the vision. Um, and Jesus says, I am he that lived and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. One reason that verse is good is because Jesus is the judge. He's the one who has the keys of hell and of death. He's also the one who can forgive your sins and save your soul from hell and from death and give you eternal life and a home in heaven. So, um, so that's, that's one reason why, why I love that verse, you know, um, when you're talking about when you're talking about the judgment of God, um, it's important to ask certain questions surrounding these points. When you're talking about the judgment of God, you know, does God have the authority? To judge? You know, that's a problem. That's a pride problem. You know, when I'm sharing the gospel, and I don't know if you've ever asked that question to somebody, that's a pride problem right there. And you, run, I mean, you run into people who are like, oh, you know. And they have to let go of some stuff in order to allow that God is their judge, right? And so, do you believe that God has power and authority to judge? Um, do you do you, do you believe that Jesus wants to save you when you're talking about the gospel? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Do you believe Jesus was real? Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? Right? These are great questions to ask the lost sinners coming to faith. Um, you know, there's a, there are questions you can ask to see if they're believing or not. And we don't really know. I mean, so a lot of people make professions of faith and they may not be or may, may be believing. But, um, so, 
Um, but these are great questions to ask. And one question, one question I like to ask, and we'll talk a little bit more about faith. But one question that, that, that never forget to ask, is God a liar? Now there's scripture for that, but just ask them of their own account and their own accord, is God lying to them? And you can also further ask, is what I'm showing you real? Is the Holy Bible true? Is what you're hearing, the verses I'm sharing with you, are they true? Right? And if they deny the, if they deny the integrity of God and deny the authenticity of His Word, they're not being saved. Okay? And so we don't want to lead people into a false sense of salvation. We don't want to lead them in prayer if they're not really being saved. If they won't confess that God has power and authority to judge them, that Jesus really died for them, that Jesus wants to save them, that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus has power and authority to save them, um, you know, that God is not a liar, that the Bible is real and true, and what you're showing them and teaching them is, is the, is the truth of the Word of God. If they deny these things, they're not being saved, so we don't lead them astray. Um, so there's other questions you can ask, and you know, if they have problems with belief, and you're talking about belief, um, I like to go, I like to talk about Hebrews 11.1, 1, and um, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of a, uh, to a, to a lost person, this verse is kind of cryptic. You know, Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it's, you know, the hall of faith. We love to talk about the hall of faith. We skip right past verse 1. You know, look at verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. You know, that's what happened to you when you got saved. You put your faith in the hope that Jesus is real and that he died for you. And that he rose from the dead and that he can save your soul and give you eternal life. And you'll meet God before the throne one day. You put your faith in the hope that these things are real, even though you don't have any evidence. Now faith is the substance of things have, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, any, any Christian who says it wasn't a leap of faith to get saved is a lie. It's a leap of faith. 100%. You know? And so, if they balk at belief, sharing these simple concepts, and, and, you know, uh, when I do it, I, I read the verse three times and explain faith, and explain hope, and explain what is the, what is the thing unseen, which is we weren't there 2,000 years ago, right? We didn't see Jesus crucified. It's absolutely faith that we want to be saved, and he has power and authority, and he desires to save us, right? So, um, this is a way to, this is, I should have more passion about so, <laughs> so we'll uh we'll go to um so from so we'll go to Romans ten I guess we'll go to Romans ten from five so um Romans ten verse nine um some people some people go to verse so ten uh, Romans ten nine and don't go to five and some go to five and don't go to ten when um when sharing the gospel I think it's important to share a lot of scripture because that's how they get faith and that gives the Holy Spirit a lot of time in the questions you're asking, the pressure you're putting on them with hard questions gives the Holy Spirit a lot of time to do his work convicting them, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I pray that the Lord brings lost sinners under hard conviction. I mean, not just conviction, but, you know, they're shaking, they're crying, they need Jesus really bad, you know, bring them all the way to the foot of the cross, right, God? Bring them all the way to the foot of the cross. So um, we can share uh, Romans 10, uh, 
9 and 10, uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so um, this is about belief. And this is about what, whether you believe it or not. And so you can, you, this is where you can discuss belief and faith and trust. You know, it's the, it's, it's belief, believing in your head that Jesus is real is one thing. Trusting in Him alone to get you into heaven. You know, that's a, that's trust. That's faith. That's, you know, that's salvation, right? So, um, you can share these verses however you want or similar verses. I mean, there's verses all throughout the scriptures. That, that kind of line up with these five points. So, um, or the five things, keeping in mind there's no system that saves somebody and there's no, you know, specific words or verses that save them. It's Jesus. So, um, you can, and also at this point, they've already confessed that they believe Jesus is real and that Jesus died on the cross and that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus has power and authority to save their soul. And you can tell them, you already just confessed this. You know, and then you can talk about the deepness of belief and trust and trust in him alone. You know, so um, verse 13 says um, this is a, this is another glance at the future of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about the gift of eternal life. Right. And so um, 1013 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, <laughs> who in here isn't glad it says whosoever. Who isn't happy? It says that. I mean, seriously. So, you know, you can explain that and say, I'm glad it says whosoever. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to pay a pope. Right? You don't have to do, you don't have to be, you don't have to be good. Right? You don't have to try to be good. Right? You're a sinner. You know, I mean, we get saved. We want to serve him. We love him. We want to try to be good for his, for his glory after we get saved. But I mean, there's nothing you could have done. Right? And so, uh, so, you know, you can ask them, do you want to call if they if they are confessing all these things? And it appears as best as we can tell that they're coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you can ask them, do you want to call upon Jesus to be saved? You know, if they're in the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they'll tell you they need to be saved. They'll tell you. So, um, you know, and then say, you know, this is a blessing when they say this. And if you've never let a soul into the kingdom of God out of the darkness and wrath and death and hell that they deserve, you know, try not to get too excited because this is an exciting moment. Okay, but we got a little bit more things to go over and a little couple more things to nail down. But I mean, this is really exciting, you know. So, um, verse, so, um, you can go down to verse 17. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this is a great and specific reminder because it talks about the word of God to make sure you discuss the integrity of God and the authenticity of the scripture. So I kind of jumped ahead about that. There's a great verse to share that in because that reminds you, the only reason we have verses marked is to help us stay on track, right? And so therefore the verses are for us to help us be thorough and, and, and stay focused, you know, in what we're, the message that we're trying to deliver and if you, you know, if you've never, you've never done it, or you have some experience, the more experience you gain, you know, the, the less you'll need the marked verses and you'll even be able to refer to other scripture. If they ask you a good question, you might jump to that part of the Bible, but it's good to have a plan up front. So, <coughs> excuse me. 
Um, we can go to 1 John 5. And so I like to go to 1 John 5. Verse 5, uh, chapter 5. Book of 1 John and chapter 5. <coughs> Excuse me. I have a little reflux when I eat. And so that's what the cough is. People have been worried about my cough for years. That's what it is. So excuse me. First uh, John five eleven. First John five eleven says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Who's the Son of God? Right. I I when you share the gospel, demand they say the name of Jesus. So who knows what their concept of God is in their mind? Okay need to remove any prior concepts of God or whatever they think it is. We're talking about Jesus and only Jesus, the only begotten son of God is the only way to be saved. Okay, so we need to make sure that we're relying only on Jesus. So when we ask them to say his name out loud, we're talking about the same thing, right? Because you might be talking way past them and they're talking way past you. You both think you're talking about being saved by Jesus and they're talking about being saved by who knows what, right? So, I'm talking about Jesus. So, I like to make sure they say the name of Jesus to me. So, we know we're on the same page. Verse 11, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know, we don't have a think so salvation. We don't have a hope so salvation. We don't have a wonder so salvation. We know. You can know. You, and if you're not, if you're in here and you're not saved, you can know. You can know the Lord Jesus Christ. You can walk in the will of God and you can know you're headed to eternal glory to worship Him before the very throne room of God. God is calling, you know, out of every kindred and people and tongue and nation, a people unto His throne, robed in white. Forgiven of their sins, uh, purified in the blood of Jesus Christ to have eternal life and worship God. What a thing, you know, and you can know that. Amen. Right. So I like to talk about um, it says three times in here. It talks about um, life. Two of those times it says specifically eternal life. So we can share the offer of God to you is eternal life and a home in heaven. But also it speaks of life. So God begins to recreate you now and make you into a new creature. Uh, put off the old man and put on the new man. You can use language like this from the Bible and explain that we, because we love him, we desire to follow him and serve him. And we don't get saved for nothing. And so if you're going to share the gospel with somebody, make sure you share the gospel in a manner that explains to them that we're not saved for nothing. We're saved to work for him, to minister among the saints. Right? What's the Great Commission? Minister among the saints and go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come into the marriage of the Lamb. And that's the work of a Christian, right? So, um, so, so you could talk about life that way. You can also talk about belief. You know, the one time it's talking about belief is the kind of belief, you know, where you believe in Jesus. The other kind is full trust. Full faith, you know, putting, we've talked, we already talked to you about trust, you know. It really is. It's trust and a leap of faith. So um, we're a little over. So there's a lot of, um, I'll close, I guess. So 
you can share these verses however you want. I like to talk in verse 11. I like to tell them, me and you are making a record before the throne of holy God. And we're laying up a record. He's watching everything we're doing. He knows what your heart believes. He hears what you say. He knows you. He loves you. And we're laying up a record before the throne of holy God that you believe. And you can review this record that you know you are a sinner. That you know you are a hell-bound sinner and the wrath of God abide on you. But it, you can't be good enough on your own. But you believe that Jesus wants to save you. And that Jesus has power and authority to save you. And that Jesus died for your sin and rose from the dead the third day. And, and you can and you can review the record. And you, you know, you said you want the gift of eternal life. You said you want to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Are all these things true? I've seen people back out right there. When they realize what they're getting into, I've seen people back out. But that's important. We don't want to lead them astray. That's very important. So so you review this record. This is a way to do it. And then um, I offer to pray over them. And I seriously, in prayer over them, lay this record up before the throne of holy God and offer all these things again unto God and ask the Holy Spirit to even come into them right now that they have said they want salvation, they believe. Um, and then I, you know, you can lead lost sinners in prayer however you want. Um, you know, I've taken to, you can follow the same five things and say, tell God you're sorry you're a sinner. You don't want to die and go to hell. You know, you believe Jesus. Um, I've taken to getting away from that and just saying, look, I can't tell you what to pray. You know, but if you're, you know, you're a sinner, tell God you're sorry. You know, if you know, if you know you're going to hell, tell him you don't want to die and go to hell and you believe in Jesus and you'd rather have eternal life and you accept Jesus as, as the only propitiation. I don't, don't use that word. You'll scare people, but as the only propitiation for your sin, right? So, I mean, anyway, you can lead them in prayer however you want. You know, uh, soul winners and witnesses use Revelation 3.20 and Revelation 3.21 or those together. You can use um, John 3.16. You can share that. And this and the verse you you pray with them may become important to them. That might be, end up, you know, maybe you have a salvation verse. I don't know. You know, I don't have one. But some people have a salvation verse. You know, hey, I remember the verse that, that really that really pricked my heart and gave me faith, you know, and they know the verse and that's, you know, part of their testimony. And so, you know, the, the verse that you pray over might become important to them. Um, there's a, there's a verse in, in John five that talks about the exchange of, of, um, being passing from death unto life and, and, and brother Toby, the, the pastor here likes to share that verse when he tells people the gospel, how you're passing from death unto life. And so, uh, we're going to close. So that's some, some basic and, and, and somewhat technical instruction about how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, so you've heard this. And when the Department of Defense taught me how to, how to train adults, they said, you know, they, people need to, adults need to hear it. They need to see it. They need to repeat it in, the, in their own way that they can understand, but they also need to do it. So, I mean, you've only heard it and you saw the verses. You've only read a little bit. So, you know, if you're going to do this and you're going to really learn how to do it, you're going to have to do it and you're going to have to teach yourself how to do it. And there's materials over there and I have other materials, there's videos, you know, there's a million places where you can learn and watch videos of how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We talk a lot about sharing the gospel, but I don't think anyone's ever just stood here and specifically said, you know, you can share this first. These are some things, you know, some specific technical instruction. So I just thought to do it. You know, so now, so now you know, and, uh, you know, now you're without excuse.
How about that for some preaching? <laughs> so I don't know. You can play the piano if you want. I mean, it's not really, I don't know. You guys can pray over whatever you want to do. If you have, if you have concerns with God, you can pray or you can come down to the altar and pray about being a soul winner or anything else. Or, or you can pray for, uh, please pray for the safety and mercies upon those who are traveling, also traveling out to Wyoming and don't get eaten by no grizzly bear. Okay, Freddie? Don't let Judy get eaten by no bear. All right? <laughs> Right, we're a Bigfoot, that's right. So, so, uh, I'll go ahead and just close us in prayer. Um, did we forget any prayer requests or anything? Does anybody got anything? Alright. Holy Righteous Father God, thank you for this time, Lord God. And thank you for the opportunity to share some scripture, Lord God. And thank you for the opportunity to, to teach, um, and to share a, a passion of mine and things that are on my heart, Lord God. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would train up an army of witnesses and soul winners, Lord God, proclaim your kingdom unto a lost and dying world, Lord God. I pray that you would use us to share the gospel. These people right here. And, and you know, Lord God, it can be done in a, any manner of ways, online, among friends, among family, among strangers, co-workers, any, everywhere we go. You know, God, Lord, in heaven, please... Uh, prick our hearts to share at least the simple gospel that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and help us uh, to submit to the Holy Spirit that, that Lord God you would teach us how you would have us specifically to learn and share from the Bible that you that you have given us and not that we hide the Bible under our mattress but that we share it with the lost and dying world. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.